You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, a place where hope and reality converge. Today, I'm, I'm excited as we kick this off and as we begin this process, because here's what the end goal is. The end goal is this, is that you and I live legendary faith and leave a legacy in the process. That we live a legendary faith and leave a legacy in the process. I believe that we recognize anything that is legendary is the stuff that stories are told of. The Bible is filled with men and women of legendary faith. The Bible is filled with stories of things that have happened. Esther, who saved a nation because of her faith in God, who said, her her uncle Mordecai said, who knows that for such a time as this, maybe you've been brought into, into this place, into this power. And she said that she's going before the king, and she knew that she was going before the king uninvited, but she knew that the need was pressing, and she had to move. And as she went before the king, she knew that she could die. She said, fast and pray for me, because I'm going to go to the king, and if I die, I die. But in her act and in her obedience and her faith in God, literally saved the nation of Israel. Literally saved the people from an annihilation, from a a plan that was set in place because of her faith. The Bible filled with stories. The stories of the Bible are no longer written. The scripture is finished. But the Spirit of God that anointed those men and women is not of the past. He is still today. That though we read stories that are the past, we must be careful that we're not people who look to the past. And here's how I grew up in Sunday school and in, and in different places of, of study and hearing the Word. And this was many times my perception. And the perception was that Abraham and all the people of the Bible, they were special people. And we could never reach and attain the level of faith and the works that they did. That's not true. We, we create that in our minds because we look and say, oh, I could never be like Abraham. Well, God's not calling me to be like Abraham. But God says he honored the faith of Abraham. And that tells me that he'll honor the faith that I have as well. That though the Bible is finished being written... The Spirit of God that inspired the men and women is not over. How many believe that? That the Spirit of God is still at work. And He is creating legendary men and women today. He's creating the faith of people who are moving forward. Faith of people, of individuals who become legendary. Like George Whitfield, who his preaching literally caused a nation to turn back to God. His preaching influenced a nation and in, in, uh, gave way to the Great Awakening. We have men like D.L. Moody who took a, a small Sunday school class. And in a small Sunday school class that was the, the, the common of, of what they would have, he took this classroom setting and began to reach out to their parents. And soon this class became a church that took over the city and became so influential and in such a place that it became a, a place of raising up influencers. D.L. Moody was so inspired and so called of God to be an evangelist that he made a personal decision that he would never go to bed one night without sharing Jesus with somebody. While he was laying in bed one evening, he began to fall asleep and after a long day of travel and preaching, he gets in and he's about ready to fall asleep and he recognizes and and remembers that he did not share Jesus with anyone today. So he wakes up out of his bed and puts on his coat and goes downstairs outside of the place where he's staying and there's a gentleman walking the street. He just walks up to him, not feeling prompted, not feeling anything but a commitment. He walks up to the gentleman and 
And he just simply says, have you heard of Jesus? I want to tell you about Jesus. He shares his faith. This man comes to know Jesus and is later down the road one of the individuals who had the influence of reaching someone who down the road led Billy Graham to Jesus Christ. All because of his commitment, that this commitment of honoring, of making a decision. Men like Charles Spurgeon, the same, in the same area or the same uh, era as, as uh, Moody in Britain, in London, doing the same thing. Men like William Booth, who started the Salvation Army and said that he was called of God not to build a church under be- church bells, but he wanted to plant a church outside the gates of hell because he wanted to make it hard for people to go to hell. He said, we've got to go to the place and we've got to cling to their ankles so that they have to jump over our bodies in order to get to hell. So this was, this was the, the, the Salvation Army uh, commander's call, the, the guy who, who created this. You hear it today and you think of, of football and Thanksgiving at the uh, Dallas football and all the places that might take place in the Christmas time, giving to the Salvation Army. But the heart of Salvation Army was to go to the place where the church was not to make it hard for people who are lost to go to hell. These are legendary people, legendary stories, and I believe today the same of what God is wanting to impact. If you and I were to take a trip before we get there, we're already there in our minds. Listen, some of you might be planning to go to the beach And even now, if I say to you, hey, we're going to the beach in a couple weeks, some of you are already picturing the sand. How many know? Some of you already hear the waves crashing. Some of you already imagine that white, the lighthouse or something. You've got your image of what that looks like. The moment I say, we're going to go to the beach, you might not even be going. I'm saying, I'm going to go to the beach. And you already have an image in your mind of what that's going to look like. Before you even get there, you have an image. Before you ever arrive at a place, you have an image. It comes because we go by our memory, things that we remember from before, things that we've heard from other people, or pictures that we've seen, or stories that we've heard. It creates a memory, and it creates something of anticipation. Let me ask you, as you read the Word of God, and as you walk in your faith with God, when it comes to leaving a legacy, when it comes to having legendary faith, when it comes to growing in a walk with God and going where you've never gone before, what's that look like for you? What in your mind does it look like? Where does it take you? When you think of trusting and believing God like you've never trusted him before. When you think of surrendering like you've never surrendered before. When you think of standing like you've never stood before. Where does that put you? Some of you are teenagers. And immediately when I say a faith like you've never had before. You're thinking of, you already see there's a picture or a circle of friends. And you already see that means me sharing Jesus and living in the world. And living out my faith among these friends. Some of you go to a workplace or in your workplace for you it means that in this place of influence it already comes to mind when we say believing God like you've never believed God before some of you it might be launching something that the Lord's put in your heart and stepping out in faith and saying it's time to move forward what is it for you that you would say I'm going to trust God like I've never trusted him before because if God puts something in your heart and the moment that comes to mind it might be it's a very high high chance that that's coming to your mind because that's connected to what the Spirit of God has created you to do and what God has put in your heart. He gives you the desires of your heart. Now, you might say, you, you say, well, it could be selfish in nature. Well, yeah, we always have to monitor that. We always have to lay that down. We have to, we have to do what Abraham did with Isaac. Sometimes God will give us a promise, and we have to lay it on the altar and let God give it back to us. Sometimes we have to surrender so we can make sure this isn't about me. This is about the kingdom of God. But whatever it is that God has put in your heart, that, I believe, is part of what God is saying, I want you to do. And let me ask you then, 
Some of you might be quick to say, yeah, this, I can see this. I, I see the group of people. I see the place. I see the thing of launching. I see what that looks like. Then let me ask you, what are you waiting for? What is it going to take? What is it going to be that causes you to launch out into that journey? What is it that's going to cause you to step out in that, that opportunity among those peers in that school? What are you waiting for? What's going to be the opportunity that you're going to say, now's the time? If now is not the time, then could it be that what you're waiting for is just for other excuses to keep coming and passing? That today is the moment that today is the opportunity. We heard it last week. Today is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It is a matter of today. What is it that God is calling us to reach out into? Where will it take us? Here at Faith Assembly, I, I, we, we want to be very intentional. And I believe that God is intentional. God didn't just create the heavens and the earth and, and, and just say, uh, we're going to make some heavens and earth. Um, then we're going to... No, God knew it. The Bible says on the first day, then on the second day, on the third day, God knew what he was doing. How many know what I'm talking about? He didn't just say, hey, well, look at that. No, he created with purpose. He created the trees to do what the trees were supposed to do. He created the waters to do what they were supposed to do. He created things with purpose. There was an intentional design in what God has done. And in our lives, there needs to be this intentional approach that we set before God and say, God, help us to be intentional people. I believe in the days that we're living in, we must be more intentional than we've ever been before. We cannot leave to chance the things that God desires to happen. We've got to be people uh, who are intentional, people who step out and believing. Here at Faith Assembly, we want to be intentional. That's why our desire and, and the purpose that we sense in our heart is this, to reach people to reach their purpose. This is what you hear us say. And let me tell you why you hear us say this, because we believe this is the heartbeat of what God has called us to do. What does that even mean, to reach people to reach their purpose? Well, the Bible says in Matthew that Jesus, when he ascended, he said, go into all the world and make Disciples. What is a disciple? Follower of Jesus. Now, a disciple is follower of anything. You can be a disciple of a certain style of music, a disciple of, you know, some studies, whatever. But a disciple of Jesus Christ literally means one who follows after Jesus. So the Bible says that we're to go into all the world and make disciples. So we don't have to ask God what to do. We already know what he told us to do. We don't need God to give us a vision on what to do because the Bible already said, go into all the world, make disciples. How many know Uniontown and Fayette County is part of the world? Some of you are like, no, it's not. Like it's a, it's a world like no other. As far as I'm concerned, it's the best world to ever live in then. I love Fayette County. I love what God is doing in, in this place. I love what God is desiring to do. But in this place where we are, what is it that God would desire to do in, in our world? He said, make disciples of all the nations and all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit. And I'm with you to the ends of the earth. If we are going to make disciples, for us, we say it this way, reaching people to reach their purpose. And their purpose is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, God may have gifted you differently than me. So you fleshing it out might look different than me fleshing it out. How many are okay with that? You have to be, okay? There's a reason why Peter and Paul split ways. The Bible is so real that the Bible doesn't hide things that were going on. Peter and Paul didn't always get along. Now, they did get along, but they, I shouldn't say this. They didn't always see eye to eye. 
And so because they didn't always see eye to eye, there was not this, well, we're splitting and we're going off. No, well, you do what the Lord has called you to do. We'll do. We're not all going to have the same approach as what God has called. Faith assembly is not going to be like every other church around and shouldn't be. And every church shouldn't be like faith assembly. We should be what God has called us to be for this season and for this place that we're in to do what God has called us to do today in this time and in this, at this moment that we might reach people to reach their purpose, to become disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. Every time you go somewhere, how many know it's good to have a map? There's an intentional plan. You might use a GPS. That can work. Some of you are like, what's a map? What do you... I don't know if you have one of these. Maybe someone else took it, but there's others laying around. I would encourage you to grab one of these because this is our version of a map here at Faith Assembly for making disciples. This is what we have always had. And by the way, just so you know, this isn't something we just came up with. This is something that we have had for at least three years at Faith Assembly. We've not done our best at communicating it because some of you are like, I've never heard of this. That's because we talk well among our team and we have to do better at talking among the congregation. This has been in our heart. We've already got a plan. And not you say, well, we have a plan. I believe this is what the Lord has put in our heart to make disciples, to be intentional, to help make disciples. Number one, three key points that we want to lead people. That's why we, we have point groups and different things because it's all about reaching points in our walk with Christ. And the three key points that we want to walk people into in their walk with God is, is engaging Serving and discipling. And engaging, we want to help people as they engage. We want to, uh, engaging, it's to make connections. When we engage in community, we make connections. Do you know that your spiritual walk with Christ is determined by how your relationship is with one another? If you want to know how well you're doing in your walk with Jesus, compare it to how well you're doing in your relationship with your wife or your spouse. Your husband or your wife, those around you. The Bible says this in Peter, that the prayers of a husband are affected if his relationship with his, with his wife is not in good standing. The Bible says that in Peter. The Bible says in 1 John, how can you say you love God who you can't see if you don't love your brother who you can see? Our relationship with one another affects, some of you are like, I don't like that. I'd rather be spiritual. <laughs> I'd rather be spiritual where we just, you know, if that's what you think spiritual is, you're missing it. Because Jesus said this is about relationship. It's number one, relationship with Jesus and relationship with one another. If we can't relate to the Spirit of God and to one another, then we've got to really wonder or ask ourselves if what we're doing is effective for the kingdom of God. If it's effective in, in advancing in the kingdom of God, it is about relationship. Whether you like it or not, I come from a German background where we have habits and roots that say, well, take it or leave it, my way or no way, my way, um, you know, I'm the, I can, I've got that in my background. I mean, that's just more easy. I don't know if it's just a German thing or not. I just said that. So maybe it's just a Jason thing. I don't know. My mom started it. If you think I'm stubborn, please don't give a copy of this to my mom. All right. She's, she knew how to keep straight. I've told you before. Mom never said, wait till your dad gets home. I said, I can't wait till dad gets home. <laughs> All right. Enough said about that. I'm, I'm starting to shake right now. Get flashbacks. <laughs> Taking people, engaging, engaging, leading, 
are serving and discipling, helping people make connections. How are your connections at Faith Assembly? In serving, helping people make a contribution. How are you using your gifts? How are you, how are you implementing what God has given you? If you only interact, and listen, I want to encourage you. I'm challenging you. How many know sometimes we need to spur one another? The Bible says in Hebrews, look at your neighbor and say, I should be spurred. Some of you are like, I don't know what he just said. Is that okay to do? Are we... The, the, it's, a, it's, a, it's a term that you might think of the Western. They had the spurs on the back of their boots, and to get that horse to move, they'd kick that horse. And, and the Bible says to spur one another, and he intentionally uses that word. So get ready. I'm about to spur you a little bit, okay? So you're like, what are you going to do? It won't hurt only for a little, okay? Only for a little. If our relationship with the body of Christ is limited to a Sunday morning, then we might not be deepening our walk with Jesus Christ too well. Now, I know some of you just got spurred. Like, oh, jab. I know that. I know that. But the Bible says spur one another unto godliness and to good works and to move forward. So that's my job. And so I want to encourage you. Where are you engaging? Where are you serving? Where are you using the gifts that God has called you to use? What is it that God wants to grow in you? And then lastly, discipling. Where are we making or, or making Christ followers? So engaging, making connections, serving, making contribution, and discipling, making Christ followers. It is our job, as, as uh, our, well, our definition of a disciple here at Faith Assembly, is when we reach back and bring other people along in the walk with Jesus. That's a disciple for us. A disciple is not when you go through a class or when you've, you've done so many things and, and you get on the membership role or all that. that. That's not a disciple. A disciple is when we are now so, so affected by what Christ has done in us that we want it to go to those around us. Amen? But when it only remains on the inside of us, then we have not truly yet been discipled. Discipleship is when it becomes so much a part of us that we can't help but want other people to have this. It's kind of the line of work that you might be in. If you're in retail, and if you're just happy going and getting a paycheck, then you're just happy getting a paycheck because you're just glad your needs are met, things are taken care of. But when there becomes a passion and you really believe in what you're selling, you really believe this is something that everybody needs to have this, this becomes, how many know it takes on a whole different shape? It's now no longer just I go to work, I get a job, I, you know, take care of what I know. It becomes something, a passion about us. And we want our walk with Jesus Christ to have a passion about us. And you might be here today and you might say, well, you know what, Jason, I'm not that kind of person. The Bible doesn't give us levels of disciples. It doesn't say, well, some of you, some of you will be on first base and you just stay at first base all your life. You just No, the Bible says that we should all, in fact, it says that if we don't lay down everything, we cannot be called a disciple of his. Luke tells us if we're not willing to lay down everything, if we don't surrender everything. All right, hopefully that made sense to you. I'm getting the look. I don't know what that look means. Got it from someone in my family. She's sitting right over there. Just kidding, Jalen. All right. Listen, I want to read this out of James, and I want, to, I want to just summarize this today. I wanted to, us to hear and us to communicate. So where are you in engaging? Where are you in serving? Where are you in discipling? Because our goal is to take people, if you're in engaging, we want to help you get to serving. And we want to help you reach those levels, those places, those points in your growth and your walk with Jesus Christ. Because here's what I believe. The more engaged we are as a body of Christ, the more impact we're going to make in Fayette County. Anybody believe that? The more engaged we are in our relationships in the body of Christ, the more, the more connected we are in the body of Christ, 
the more impact we're going to make in this place that's around us. Let me look at James chapter 1 or chapter 4 with you this morning. And I want to uh, just bring this to a close today. James chapter 4. It's got to start somewhere. If we're going to start this journey, and this is what I want to challenge you to, this legacy journey to live legendary and to leave a legacy, to have a faith that people tell stories about. I can tell you stories about individuals. I can tell you stories about Sister Anderson is what we called her when I grew up in the church that I grew up in. and A woman of God who just believed God for miracles and believed God with just great faith. There are individuals that we tell stories about, but not just to have something to reflect the past, but to inspire us for the future, to have a legacy for others to follow, drawing close to God. Here's what I believe. It's got to start somewhere. And the Bible says, and we're going to read the scripture, but draw near to God and he will draw near to you. God doesn't draw near until we draw near. Now, he initiated this whole thing. He's coming after us. But until we come to him, now I want to look at this step, this process. But I want, let, let me read this here in, in uh, chapter 4, verse 1. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Isn't it the whole army of evil desires at war within you? Raise your hand if you've ever had an evil desire. I'm glad for the 20 of us that are being honest. <laughs> you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous for what others have and you can't possess it, so you fight and quarrel to take it away from them. And yet the reason you don't have what you want is that you don't ask God for it. He says your problem with the quarrels that's going on inside of you is that you've not sought God about it. You have looked for your own desires. You are trying to fill the void yourself. You're trying to fix the problem yourself. You're wanting to take care of it on your own and you want it so much that you try to take it from other people. And what we mean by that sometimes and and the way that really works is that sometimes we can be so... uh, so discontent in our lives that the only way we try to make ourselves feel better it only works for a little while is when we make other people feel discontent about their life too sometimes we can do that you don't have to raise your hand and admit it it's been done to you sometimes you've had those people they just take the joy right out of you know what i'm talking about man forget that god is good and i here's what Oh, God bless them. I won't even say it. All right, I had this conversation with someone. No, I'm just... But it ended with this. So what do you think you're doing wrong that God's not answering your prayers? Thanks. I wasn't beat up enough by the devil. Thanks for helping him out. I appreciate that. That's really not valid. I mean, yes, it is in that in that there are things that could hinder the prayers and the things of God. But sometimes it could just be that God's not answering prayers because he knows better than we know. He knows more than we know. But I know what that is. It comes from the, yeah, things didn't go my way and I feel beat up by the devil, so I want to make sure that I'm not the only one. That's, That's what that comes from. The devil beat me up because things didn't go the way I prayed for. So I'm, the devil made me feel like it's something I'm doing wrong. So therefore, what has been put on me, I am now putting on. Unintentionally, maybe. Unintentionally. But that's what happens. 
And so I have to catch it because immediately it's said, I'm like, wow, what? I mean, really? We have to go there? I mean, I'm, I'm not opposed. There are people that have permission in my life, not everybody. There are people who have permission to come into my life and challenge me, but not everybody. There's only, there's only a handful of people that I give permission to come into my life and confront me on things. And you say, why? Because you don't think, no, because they're the people I trust. They're the people I know that when they speak into my life, they're praying for me. They're believing and asking. So they have permission. And there's a circle of friends. They have permission. And so it's not that I don't believe that there's times that we should be confronted. But I think we have to be careful. And, and so I had to recognize what felt like a dagger to my heart was really just a person who's saying, I'm feeling defeated by the enemy and I don't know how to do it, how to get through. And so the only way I feel better is when I project what I feel onto other people. And so then I had to encourage that in response and say, well, could it be that God is positioning and making ready? And yeah, let's evaluate and check things that might need to be might need to be worked and done. But I just want to make sure I'm committing myself wholeheartedly to say, God, I'm going to trust you in whatever it is, the outcome. I'm going to trust you in whatever you're doing. All right, we got off that tangent, and I'm sorry. That was my fault. He says you don't ask God for it, and even when you do ask, you don't get it because your motives are wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Everybody say pleasure. Raise your hand if you like pleasure. Absolutely. I... Don't mind pleasure. I am pleased to sit down to a wonderful meal that someone makes that I don't have to make, or which I don't even cook anyway, so what would that be? That would be torture if I fed myself. I, that would, would not be pleasure. Uh, he says, but listen what he says. He says, the only thing you want is what will give you pleasure. Verse 4, you adulterers. Now, don't look at your neighbor and say, you adulterer, that's... Don't you realize that friendship with the world, and here's what he's saying, you're an adulterer because he's speaking to the body of Christ. He's saying, you called yourself committed to me, but you're not committing your ways to me. You say you're committed, but you're not living committed. He said, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, that if you aim to enjoy this world, you can't, you can't be a friend of God. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the Holy, the Holy Spirit whom God has placed within us jealously longs for us to be faithful? He gives us more and more strength to stand against such evil desires as the scriptures say. God sets himself against the proud or he opposes the proud but shows grace or favor to the humble. He opposes the proud. Now, I don't know if you know what opposes. I know you know what opposes means, but I want you to think of it from football. There is an opposing line on a football line of scrimmage. You have the offense and the defense. I want to make sure that I'm on God's side. If we're lining up and the ball's about ready to be snapped, I want to be on his team. Pick me. I mean, if you try to be on the other side of God, how many know that's going to result in some problems for us? We're going, to, we're going to push and try to get, and we'll never find what we're looking for. And there are so many people in life who are trying to find and pushing, but never really finding what they're looking for because they're opposing the things of God. They're moving opposite of what God desires, opposite of the plans and the purpose that God wants to set for them. 
He says that God sets himself, sets apart or sets against the, the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Here's verse 7. So humble yourselves before God. So what do you do? Humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw close to God, and he will draw close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you hypocrites. Now, listen, I want you to hear this this morning. James, of course, is speaking, and he's speaking in practical terms, and he's telling us what to do in this, in this process, this journey, wanting pleasure. Pleasure isn't the problem. But when all we desire is pleasure, then we become people who are pursuing our own wants, our own desires, and pleasure is not the problem because here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that the people in 2 Timothy in the last days, verse 3 or uh, chapter 3, verse 4, it says they will betray their friends, be reckless, and be puffed up with pride, and they will love pleasure rather than God. They will love pleasure rather than God. They will pursue the things of the flesh. They'll love pleasure. By the way, the Bible says that will happen in the last days. I think we're there. We are there. We're no longer at the state, church, where we look, where, where God is saying to us, beware of those days. We are now in those days, and the Bible is saying, now that you're in them, be aware of my word, because this isn't what's going to come. This is what is here now. The church is about ready to have a complete facelift. The real bride is about ready to be revealed. The real bride of Jesus Christ is about ready to be revealed. Because we're in a day that the, these, these last days that we're living, I, I, I say that, on a regular basis, and I say that not to, not to incite fear, but to just state a reality that the Bible says, and because the Bible says, and we're seeing those things played out, get ready, be firm in your faith, and know what you believe. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. God wants to give you the desires of your heart, but asking us today that in this pursuit, are we, there's a line drawn in the sand. Are we on the side of God, or are we on the side of pleasure? Are we opposing God? Opposite of what his desire is, how do you get on God's side? You delight yourself in the Lord. How many know God wants you to have pleasure? God doesn't have a problem with you being blessed. He didn't have a problem giving Abraham and making Abraham one of the wealthiest men of his time. Abraham was a wealthy man. Now before you think, oh, it's about money. No, it's not, I'm just saying, God doesn't have a problem blessing. He doesn't have a problem pouring out in abundance. He doesn't have a problem giving blessing. The problem is when those blessings become our pursuit. It becomes what we long for, what we're reaching after. And this desire that sometimes when we're running after pleasure, how many know that if we're running after pleasure, we're running after God, or we're running away from God? The Bible tells us this. He says, so what do you do? He says, so humble yourself before God. Resist the devil. By the way, that word resist means to oppose. So if you oppose the devil, how many know that's what God just said? He opposes the proud. You're now changing sides. You're, you're saying, I'm not on this team any longer. I'm going over to this team. He says, he says these words, humble yourself, resist the devil, and he will flee. Come close to God, and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. I want you to know this morning that God in this journey, he wants to repurpose the things of pleasure and the things that become the things that we run after. You thought were treasures that you were looking for, but now has become a pile of garbage. Ask the addict. Ask the person who is in multiple relationships looking for pleasure, looking for satisfaction, looking for things that will fulfill. 
And the reality is that it only leaves empty. Looking after the things that would, that would, that would accomplish, it only leaves broken. How many would agree with me this morning? You know, we pursue the things of the world, it only leaves us broken. I cleaned out the, uh, the garage this week, and well, Jody and I did. She's here this morning, so I've got to make sure I give her credit too. <laughs> we cleaned out the garage this week, and I love making progress. I, I'm a task-oriented person. I love seeing things get done. Did it on Tuesday on my day off. Problem is trash doesn't go until tonight. So there is this pile of stuff that's got to get thrown away. We were uh, in the house and all of a sudden Jordan comes carrying this item that was on my trash pile. I said, honey, did you get that off the trash pile? No. I said, where did you get it? She said, I found it in the garage. I said, was it along the door? Yeah. That's a trash pile. No, it's not, dad. She went to the trash and reclaimed what I threw away. You got someone in your house like that too? She reclaimed the stuff that I was throwing away and she pulled it out. We had, my brother came over this weekend and sure enough his boys were there. And guess what the highlight toy was in that place was the stuff she pulled off the trash. You might be today feeling like the pursuit of pleasure has left you on the trash pile. But there's a God who picks you up and brings you to the other side. But here's what I got to tell you. The only way we can see God is through holiness. The problem with that is we make holiness a list of things to do and don't do. And when when holiness is a list of things we should and should not do, we carry a burden that we never feel good enough and never able to enter the presence of God. If your devotional life begins with, I'm not good enough, then the enemy has too much of a list on you and you don't know the grace and the mercy of God that he reached down in the trash pile. He picked you up. You didn't say, oh Lord, I'm about ready to polish myself and make you. No, he found you in the dirt. He picked you up. He pulled you out of the miry clay and set your feet on a rock. He's the one that did the work. And so now the problem is we try to pursue God with a bunch of lists and things and we miss that what he has done for us is far beyond what we could ever do for ourselves. And the awe and the wonder, if you're trying to get to God by being perfect, you'll never do it because you're never gonna be perfect. The only one is perfect is Jesus Christ. And when you recognize his perfection, it becomes something that influences your life. And because of what he does on the inside of you, you don't have to try and get rid of stuff. You now walk after God and all of a sudden those things start falling off. Those things start coming loose. Those things become set free. That when you you recognize that he's the one that's picked you off of the place that you were left abandoned because of your pursuit for pleasure. And God picks you up in that broken place. There are some of us here today that we feel like we're so far from God. You ever been there? And I want to speak to the one as the worship team comes and helps us close this morning. I want to speak to the one who every time you try to get close to God, all you feel is guilt. If all you ever feel, every time you try to get close to God, you feel guilt, I want you to know with absolute certainty, guilt is not a work of God. Guilt is not what God does to try and get you to do something. He's better than that. We do that to one another. Sometimes we do that with our kids. Well, if you're really good, we we do the bribery thing, you know, if we... How many know God is worthy of praise? He doesn't need bribery. He doesn't need to make a deal with us. 
He can call stones off along the side of the street to do what he needs, what needs done for him. He gives us a privilege to be in his presence. It's a privilege to come before God. And when I come before God and I think of the list and I think of all the things, immediately the devil makes me feel not good enough. There's a weight and a burden. I'm, I'm, I know we're getting just a couple minutes to close, and I hope you can hang with me there. I know you want the fish real bad. I know. Just ready for that fish fry. Me too. It's going to be there. I'm going I'm to wrap up as quick as I can. <laughs> Some of you are like, well, we're out of here. Now listen to this. Here, here's what he, what, he, what he, these lists and things that the enemy tries to make us feel guilty. There's a man in the Old Testament by the name of Jonah. Did you ever hear of Jonah? Jonah was swallowed by a whale. You remember that story in the Bible? It's a great story. Jonah was swallowed by a great fish, by a whale. Jonah, of course, was a prophet. He was like a preacher. He was the man of God for the city. He was the one who would tell everybody what the Lord says. And this man who was called of God, the Lord tells him a word. The Lord says, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah, he said, I'm not going to Nineveh. Those people don't love God. They've, they've, they've oppressed my family. I am not going to Nineveh. Lord, if you want me to go to Nineveh, I'm going to Tarshish. Say that five times fast. I'm going. Listen, he didn't just say, no, I'm not going there. I'm going there. He said, no, I'm not going there. I'm going over here. And the Bible says he ran away from God. You know, the preacher, the one who gets the word of God, he's running away from God. Here's the cool thing. As he's running away from God, the Bible says a storm comes, that the Lord caused a storm to come where Jonah was. And all of a sudden, the Jonah's there, and, and the people are scared because they knew that God had done it, but they didn't know which, which God because they all had different gods. And so they're praying to their gods. All of a sudden, the captain goes down, and he finds Jonah. If you remember the story, Jonah is sleeping at the bottom of the boat. You know the story? Jonah's sleeping down there, and the captain says, Hey! We're dying up here. The ship is getting tossed. How in the world are you sleeping? They said, pray to your God. We're praying to our God. And the next thing they started doing, the Bible says that they threw stuff off. They threw things away. How many know the storm kept going? Then they said, if we all row, and the Bible says that they tried to row against the storm. So they got everybody together. Okay, on the count of three, everybody row as hard as you can. If you row as hard as you can, we'll get to shore. Let's just get to shore. And so on the count of three, one, two, three, everybody row. The Bible says they weren't able to go anywhere. Finally, Jonah comes up with this idea. Jonah realizes, he says, it's my fault, the God who I serve. And Jonah says, here's what you should do. Throw me into the water. Wow. They didn't want to do it. The captain's like, I don't want, we're not wanting the responsibility of this. But as soon as Jonah was thrown overboard, the Bible says that the waters became calm. But how many know Jonah is in the midst of the water and the Lord sends a fish to come and eat him, to save him. Lord, thank you for your protection and your keeping. Sometimes God uses some things sometimes and we're like, Lord, what is this? But it's just what he's using to put us where we need to be. I want you to see this though. The storms were happening and Jonah is sleeping on the boat. Some of you are here today and your thought is as long as I can ignore it, it'll go away. 
I'm heading in the wrong direction. I'm not, things aren't right, but as long as I can ignore it, it'll go away. If I just keep sleeping here, if I just keep sleeping, I want you to know it's not going to go away. Some of us might even say, you know what? If I throw off these things, I throw off stuff. I got stuff I got to get rid of. I got got bad habits. I got bad things. That's usually what people do when they say, I want to get right with God. I'm going to stop doing stuff. Well, that's a good cause or a good thing. But that's really not going to help you. You can't throw stuff away to get close to God. They said, all right, everybody on the count of three. We all just work together and everybody work together. You can get everybody on board and do everything you can, but it's not going to work. The only way the water settles down is when the one who is running from God stops by throwing themselves into the water. You say, well, that sounds like suicide. No, it sounds like humbling myself before God and saying, God, I'm going to trust you. I hope that makes sense to you this morning. Because let me tell you the, the impact of that is that God keeps us and he brings us beyond Jonah, he was the preacher. He was the guy that was supposed to tell everybody what to do. And he's running away from God. Here's what I love. Nowhere in the New Testament does it ever say, and then there was that man Jonah. Don't ever be like Jonah. He ran from God. Jonah was bad. Jonah's only referenced in the New Testament when they said to Jesus, we want a sign. We want a miracle. We want you to give us a sign and show us who you are. And Jesus said there's no other sign to be given in this generation than the sign of Jonah who was in the belly for three days. And here's what God is saying. The one who ran away from me, the one who disobeyed, the one who went the opposite direction, who went as far away as he could. The Bible says he got as far away as he could. God says the one who went as far away as he could, I restored him and I used him and I made him a sign to this generation. God looks at you and you say today, I'm so far, far, far away from God. I'm away from God. I've been running in the wrong direction. And you feel like you're abandoned. You feel like you're lost. God would say to you, you're not too far gone. I'll take your life from the trash pile, from the depths of the water, and I'll make your story something that can impact a world. I'll make a story out of your life that looks like it's abandoned, looks like it's lost. I'll do something with your brokenness. Notice, it didn't say bad Jonah, dumb Jonah, idiot Jonah, Jonah. No, it says the sign that God made. So quit letting the devil beat you up for where you've been and know what God has called you and say, God, today, I'm going to stop right where I am. Here's this simple concept. In order to start this journey, i got to start by stopping. This is what I felt in my spirit. There's some people feel so far from God. Jalen, come on up here. This is my daughter, Jalen. At least for 13 years she has been. How old are you? Good, yep. She's mine. All right. She knows what dad expects of her. Am I strict? Okay. Good. Uh, yeah. You know what we expect. But sometimes we even have desires to go opposite directions. But here's what a father does. There's more room over here. You start walking. Just walk slow. Dads don't ever let the distance. Dads go to places... Well, you think your father wouldn't even show up. And in order to come in contact with dad, you might think, man, I've gone so far and I've got such a distance to make up. Do you know what this girl has to do in order for dad to catch her? 
stop right where you are. And the moment she stops, this dad runs right into her. You're here today and you feel far from God. All I want you to know, just walk that way. All I want you to know is you feel far from God. All you got to do is stop. Because when you do, let me know what I'm talking about. You feel like there's a gap. You say, man, I, 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 you say, I've been in a white lie and there's a gap. I don't care if you've just, yesterday was a white lie or yesterday you were a prostitute. I don't care. God doesn't care because all you need to do is stop where you are because he'll run into you. And the moment he runs into you, he restores you. He takes you. I used to be able to pick her up and rock her on my lap. I can't do it. But he picks you up from what was the place of abandonment. He takes you out of the depths of the water and he brings you to a place of restoration and he makes your story a sign and a legacy to generations and to people to hear. Love you, babe. Thanks. He makes us a sign. So I don't want to be so profound because I'm not smart enough to be profound. But all I want to say is if you feel far from God, just stop. He'll run into you. If you feel like you're so far the other direction, just stop. Quit trying to throw stuff overboard and fix it. Quit trying to row back to shore. Quit trying to do. Quit trying to sleep and ignore it. Just get out of the boat and fall into his grace. Because he'll restore you in that place. Does that make sense this morning? And he'll make a legacy out of your life. Father, in Jesus' name. God, to the down and out, you're the God who restores. To the broken, you're a God who puts the pieces back together again. If you're here today and you say, Jason, I've been walking after pleasure. I've been walking opposite of God. I know God, but I... I've not been committing myself to God, but today I'm gonna I want to launch this legacy journey. I'm gonna take a step, and today I'm stopping where I am, and I'm allowing God to collide with me and to change my life and set me on a new course. If that's you today, if that's you today, just raise your hand. Say, Jason, I'm stopping where I am. Amen. Is there anyone else this morning? God bless you. If you raise your hand, you can put it down today. I know there's a number of us that raised our hand here this morning, and I want you to know he is a God of new beginnings. He's a God who loves us and a God who wants to bless. Now, we're going to pray here today, and man, I, I, some of you are going to carry that picture of Jonah with you. You can't throw stuff overboard. You can't paddle to get back. You just fall into the water. Stop. Stop. Just stop. If you're here today and you say, on this first week of Legacy Journey, you say, Jason, I want to believe God to live a faith like I've never lived before, to live legendary, to leave a legacy. If that's you today, as we sing this song, would you just stand and just make this your expression of praise to God, acknowledging Him as our helper, and just saying to God today, Lord, you're enough coming to you, God. I'm surrendering to you. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.